The uh, today's reading will be taken from the uh, New International Version. It will be taken from Matthew chapter seven, verses twenty-four through twenty-seven. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Good morning, church, and Happy New Year to everyone, including those who are watching us online. Happy New Year. Um, It is so good to see every one of you here today uh, as we worship God and remember Jesus on this very first day of 2023. What I would like to do now is I would like to introduce our lesson this morning by telling you about this house right here. Beautiful home. Special house, right? This is this house is called the Sand Palace. And it is a three-story, four-bedroom, four-bathroom rental vacation home in Mexico Beach, Florida. You're probably asking what's so special about this house that we're starting off with this. Well, this house withstood a Hurricane 5 storm in Florida. Um, Hurricane Michael, I don't know if you've heard of it. In 2018, it uh, went through Mexico Beach, Florida, and it's a Category 5 storm, which meant that this one had sustained winds of of, of about 160 miles per hour. Very strong. But this house, after the devastation, you'll see it here, It's pretty much the only house that was left unscathed throughout this whole thing. Okay, look at the, there's other houses and and buildings that are standing up, but inside it's ruined because the roofs, you know, uh, came off and it's damaged. But what's so special about this house is that the owners built it as a fortress, like a fortress that can withstand winds of up to 250 miles per hour. That's what they did. But the thing about this house is the number, the key to the success of this house is its foundation. Foundation that, you know, I think it's made of concrete piles that has been driven 30 feet down into the, the, the ground which is also the same as the height of the house. So it is to say that the house is as tall from the, the ground up as it is deep underground. This house withstood the hurricane because it was built on a firm foundation. And that is what we are going to focus on this year in 2023, our foundation. Now, I know that you guys know, but in our congregation, we focus on a theme every year. And we've been doing it, we've been doing it now for five years straight. Beginning in 2018, when we talked about foundations of faith, we talked about our, um, 
our core beliefs, our core values, and our foundational truths uh, of our faith. And in 2019, year two, we talked about uh, building on, that, on those foundations as we focused on spiritual growth and maturity. And then in 2020, we felt ready to talk about the core mission of the church, which is, which is uh, found in the Great Commission. We talked about the first part, where Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the commission that Jesus gave us. Make disciples of all the nations. And he gave us two things that we can do it in. First, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we focused on in 2020. We talked about the proclamation of the good news of Jesus that led people to believe in him and that led people to uh, become born again in Christ. Now, in 2021, we talked about the second part of the Great Commission because Jesus said that baptism is not, it's not the be-all and end-all of our Christianity. We also need to be sanctified. He said, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And that is what we talked about in 2021. We talked about our discipleship, our followership that leads us to become more and more like Jesus. And then in 2022, last year, we focused on the greatest command, which is love. In Matthew 22, verses 38 to 40, Jesus said, Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we focused on that in 2022. Loving God and loving others. But we understood in 2022, that loving God and loving others is done in relationship. So we talked about relationships last year. But this year, we are go what we're going to do is we're going to cycle through this five-year focus again. Why? Because in these things, we understand the why, the what, and the how of our purpose and work and identity in Christ. This is how we grow in our relationship with Christ. So we're going to start it all over again in year one. We're going to talk about the foundations of our faith. Specifically this year, though, we are going to call our theme, What We Believe, as we talk about the core beliefs in our relationship with God. The, way, the reason why we do the things that we do, the reason why we are who we are. We're going to talk about what we believe about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the Bible about human beings, about sin, about salvation, about our purpose, about our identity, as well as our hope in Jesus Christ, among many other things. But today, though, this morning, for our first lesson in 2023, we are going to build on our foundation. Where do we build our life's foundation? That is what we are going to ask ourselves today. And this morning, we want to be like this sand, sand palace. We want to be built on a firm foundation. So this morning, we are going to encourage ourselves to resolve today, on this first day of 2023, to build on the rock. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, uh, as was read today by Ray to us, it's our scripture reading, we're going to focus on that. Jesus himself calls us to build on the rock and not on the sand. 
And the question that we have today is this. What does it mean to build on the rock? How do we know that we're building on the rock? How do we know that we are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, our rock? Well, some of us may say, Jay, you know what? I know in my heart that I am building on the rock. I feel it. I know. That's great. That's good. That's a big part of it. But I want us to caution ourselves that when we rely on our own feelings, when we talk about building on the rock, it could be problematic because God himself said through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17 verse 9 that the heart is a, deceit, is, is, is a deceitful thing. Sometimes it deceives us. We might think that we're doing it, but in reality we're not. So we have to be careful. But how do we really assure ourselves that, yes, hand on heart, I'm building on the rock? Well, the answer lies in what Jesus said. If we are going to build ourselves on the rock of Jesus, we need to know what Jesus says, what building on the rock entails. So that is what we are going to do today. We are going to look at what Jesus says about what it means to build on the rock. Because only he can define that for us. It doesn't matter what we feel about it. It matters what he says to us about it. And for us to build on that. He says in our scripture reading today, two things, two indicators of building on the rock. And those two things are obedience and resilience. Jesus tells us that building on the rock involves obedience and resilience. And we are going to start with obedience. In our scripture reading today, as we begin in verse 24 of Matthew 7, Jesus tells us, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, right off the bat, Jesus calls attention to these words of mine, to his teachings, to his word, to the commandments that he left his people while he was here. And we have them today through the form of the Bible. We see it. We can read about it. These words of mine. He calls attention to that. And he says that building on the rock starts with hearing and doing these words that Jesus gave us. Hearing and doing. These are the two essential ingredients of obedience. I know it. I'm a parent. You guys know it. Many of you are parents. Even if you're not a parent, you're somebody's child. You know when you're obeying and when you're not obeying. You know. Only hearing is not obeying. Hearing and doing is obeying. But what does exact, what, what does being a hearer and a doer entail? What does that really mean? You know, the brother of Jesus, James, has a few things to tell us about this concept. He tells us in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, that uh, this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Right there, he says, don't just be a hearer. Make sure that you're also a doer. Okay? And then he proceeds to tell us what it's like to just hear the word. What it's like to just pump our minds 
full of knowledge about God and about the Bible and about the faith, but not really do it, not really change it, not really have it change our lives. Okay? This is what it's like, he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. How many of you guys today looked at yourself in a mirror before you left your house? I want to see all them hands up. I'm pretty sure you guys looked at the mirror today. I am pretty sure. Even if you didn't, you're probably in your car, you know. You looked at the rear view mirror, you looked at yourself, you know. You go. You went to the bathroom here, you looked at yourself in the mirror. Sometimes it's one of those things that we don't even think about that we're doing. But we look at ourselves in the mirror. Okay? Say, for example, you look at yourself in the mirror after a meal, and you realize that you have a piece of food stuck in your teeth. Like this salad, this huge green slob right there. (laughs) What are you guys going to do? You're going to take it out, right? Even if it's one of those things that you can just take out like that, like it's like stuck right there. You know, you would go, this is what I do. I would go and look at, find a napkin and like wet it and twist it, make it pointy, you know what I'm saying? So I can get to that because I want it gone. I see it. I want it gone. I don't want to go out there, talk to you guys. And know in my mind that I have something in there and I'm talking and you guys can see it. Uh, that's not comfortable. I know. So you're going to take it out like I would as well. But when we just hear the word of God, this is what we're going to do. Okay. After looking at himself in the mirror, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James is saying that when we just hear the word of God and, it, and we don't allow it to change us, here's what's happening. We have a green slob there in between our teeth. We're just going to go like this. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm just still going to go out there. I'm going to talk to you guys. And I don't care what you say about my, the food in my teeth. This is who I am. That is what we're doing. You know what we're really doing is we are, look at this, we are deceiving ourselves. We are making fools out of ourselves when we do that. But James says, on the contrary, this is what happens. This is what it's like when we hear the word and then we do it. This is what happens. We look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. We are going to have this idea about God's word that is not burdensome. We're going to look at it as, oh, it's, it's good for me. We're not going to look at God's perfect law. And say that, hey, it's burdensome. I don't want to do it. It's too much. We're going to look at it and we're going to see it as something that really helps us. That really guides us. That really leads us. That gives us godliness and righteousness. Not of our own, but His. And what's going to happen is, we are going to continue in it. We are going to have discipline to continue in it. It's not just something that we do for a time or for a season. We're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to discipline ourselves to do it. That is why we are disciples. Because we are disciplined. We continue in the teachings of Christ. And then we are not going to forget it. We are going to allow the Holy Spirit. This is one of his functions. He's, he reminds us of the truth. We are going to allow him to remind us about what we have learned from Christ. And then, finally, we are going to do it. And then and only then we can really appreciate this promise at the end of this verse. 
they will be blessed in what they know. Wait, did, did, I, did I make a mistake there? No, no. They will be blessed in what they do. Because it doesn't matter what we know. What matters is, do we apply what we know? Do we actually do it? Do we continue in it? Do we inform our lives, our decisions, our way of life with what Jesus has told us? That is where blessings come. Right? You guys know that I'm not just saying this. It's in the word of God. It is clear that God expects obedience from us. In fact, there's a verse here. In 1 Corinthians 7 verse 19, we are told by the Apostle Paul that circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. He's telling the church in Corinth that it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or circumcised. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or pagan. It doesn't matter. What matters is keeping the commandments of God. I know sometimes it makes us cringe. I know it does make me cringe sometimes. And here is the time when we really need to pause and think about and, and caution us about something that's, that's, that, that's, that's important. When we talk about obedience, we need to always make a distinction between obedience and legalism. Have you guys heard of legalism? You guys have heard of legalism, right? That is a real danger. Because a lot of times when the disciples of Christ think about obedience, maybe they know, maybe they don't. For the most part, maybe they don't. The obedience starts to become like legalism. You see? Because biblical obedience, we we understand it. Biblical obedience stems from our love for God and it produces godliness and righteousness. Not of our own, not what we think is good, but what God says is good. But we have to be careful that this obedience does not become legalism. Because legalism in at its core is this idea that we are trying to go to heaven and win, you know, the hope of eternal life for ourselves out of our own merit, out of our own obedience. That doesn't work. That is not a concept that we see in scripture. Legalism is, um, is born out of selfish intent, self-righteousness, and it produces pride. It makes us, it makes us believe that, you know, oh, you know what? I'm doing this, but these other guys are not doing it. Those other guys are not doing it. I look down on them. That's what the Pharisees did. And we don't want to be that. There is a stark contrast between obedience and legalism. And we don't want to be here in legalism. We do not want to, we don't, we don't want to impose our own self-righteousness and pride in the things that we do as Christians, as disciples of Jesus. Instead, we want to separate it. We want to assure ourselves that our obedience does not become legalism. But we ask the question today, well, how do we do that, Jay? And today we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to understand obedience in such a way that it doesn't turn into what we call legalism. 
Okay, and the key is in the passage right there. 1 Corinthians 7.19. In another passage in Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes like sort of a mirror verse that's similar to 1 Corinthians 7.19. Okay, it's, it's this. And the key to having that attitude of obedience that does not become legalism is there. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. Here it is. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, nor uncircumcision avails anything. The first beginning parts are the same, right? But the difference is in the second part. The Apostle Paul, instead of saying, keeping the commandments of God, says it differently. He said it in this way, faith working through love. Do you guys see that? We need to look at obedience as faith working through love. We understand in Romans, from Romans 11 verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God. But we also know in James chapter 2, I believe it's in verse 17, that faith without works is dead. And we see in, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus himself tells us, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So when our faith is demonstrated through love, we know that we are obeying God. And it's not that kind that's self-righteous, that's prideful. It is our faith working through love. We are doing the things that we do for Jesus. Not because we have to, but because we want to. You guys know that in your relationships? Can you imagine a relationship where a husband and wife do the things that they do for each other because they have to? Because if they don't, then the other person is going to break up with me. The other person is going to divorce me. The other person is going to leave me. That is not a relationship. Worshipping here in the church on the first day of the year, right? If we have this attitude, if I don't come here, then God is totally going to give me a really, really bad 2023. That is not obedience. That is not a relationship. We are here because we want to be here. We are here because we love God and we want a relationship with Him. <clears throat> Just to really cement our understanding of obedience, because obedience is building on the rock. I want us to go back to the builders of this house. The builders of this house really wanted to make the sand palace what they called a hurricane house. That's what they called it. They wanted it to be a hurricane house. They wanted it to withstand the strongest hurricanes. Okay? But they had a priority. That's their priority. But for us, our priority is Jesus. We want Jesus to rule over our lives. We want to put our hope in His Holy Word. I got that from the song that we just sang before, before the sermon. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. I know that I stand secure. Jesus, you're my firm foundation. 
I put my hope in your holy word. So what did these people do? These people wanted to do so much to this house. They're so excited about their house. They wanted to build a wraparound deck on the first level and the second level and the third level. But their engineer came up to them and said that the engineer that they're hired to build this house for them said, wait, guys, I thought you wanted a hurricane house. You know what they did? They scrapped it out of the plans. What else did they want to do? They wanted to put way bigger windows and much more of them. You see, it seems like there's a lot in there, but those are doors, right? They're not windows. They wanted to put way more windows at the front of the house and on the sides and in the back. But they put this in the plan, but then their engineer went, guys, wait, I thought you wanted a hurricane house. You know what they did? They scrapped it. Their neighbors and their relatives were like, what are you guys doing? Why is there no, de- no wraparound decks on this beautiful property? Why is there no big windows in this beautiful property? They didn't care because they had a priority. It is the same thing in our relationship with Jesus. We hear his word and we obey it regardless of what we want, what we, what we hope, what our selfish selves tell us, regardless of what people tell us is good and is not good. We stick to Jesus because you know what? Our firm foundation is Jesus and we put our hope in where? His holy word. The second thing that Jesus tells us what building on the rock entails is resilience. In verse 25 of Matthew 7, he continues, he says, And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Resilience, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is the capacity to withstand and recover from difficulties. That is what Jesus is talking about here. He says that if you build on the rock, you will withstand the storms of life. Now notice what Jesus Christ is not saying here. He's not saying that if you build on the rock, you will not have any storms in your life. He's not saying that. In fact, he's saying the opposite. If you build on the rock, there's going to be storms. He says himself in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in the world you will have tribulation. I believe in the NIV it says, in the world you will, in this world you will have troubles. I don't need to convince you that there's troubles in the world today. You know. Raise your hands if you don't have problems today. No one is raising their hands. Look <laughs> at somebody say, I, I don't like you guys right now. You're proving my, yeah, okay. So this is it right here. We have money problems. We have relationship problems. We have career problems. We have health problems. We have all of these problems and then some. But here's what else Jesus is not saying about, um, our, uh, about, about our, uh, about our state. He's saying that, you know what? He's not saying that if you build on the rock, yes, you, 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 you will have tribulations, you will have storms, but it's going to be easy. He's not saying that. Actually, he's saying it's going to be difficult. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, he says, 
all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And you know what? There's nothing easy about people saying bad things against us. Nothing easy about people lying to us, deceiving us, saying all sorts of false things against us and persecuting us. Nothing easy about that. But what Jesus is saying to us today is that if you build on the rock, yes, you will have storms. Yes, it will be difficult. But what he's saying is this. You will be resilient. You will stand. You will persevere. And you will endure. You will stand. But you're probably thinking, well, how does that happen? Because I know when something happens, I crumble. How does this happen? How does Jesus do it? Let's go back to this. You guys remember this? Okay. The key is in another passage that's similar to this. That's also written by the Apostle Paul. Okay. Here it is right here. Galatians 6.15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Same first parts, right? Doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a pagan. Doesn't matter. What counts is the new creation. How does Jesus do it? How does Jesus build resilience in us? Well, he revamps everything. He creates in us a new thing. We become a new creation. When we build our lives on the foundation of Jesus, Jesus doesn't just come to us and renovates our house. He doesn't just paint our walls, right? Reshingle our roofs and gives us new windows. You know what he does? He comes in and he tears down the whole thing. And he builds a new thing in its place. He gives us a new way of life. He gives us a new way of thinking. He gives us a new purpose. And he gives us a new identity. That is why we are able to look at the word of God and say, Hey, this is me. I'm going to hear this and I'm going to obey this. And I'm going to stand. Because it is not me who's working now. Because if it was me who was still working, it will not be from God's word. It will be from my own word. It will be from my own mind, my own heart, and my own understanding. It's, going, it's not going to be in God's own time and God's own understanding. But now, when I do what he wants me to do, it's not me who's working in me. It is him. Do you guys remember what Paul said? I have been crucified with Christ. When you are crucified with Christ, you die. That's the electric chair back then. That's how the early church understood that passage. But Paul qualifies it. He says, but nevertheless, I'm alive. But he says, the life that I now live, though, is not mine. But it's him. It's his who loves me and gives and gave himself for me. That is why we can do the things that we do. That's why we can say today, along with Paul, in Christ, you know, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because he has given me, he has made in me a new creation where he is the one that sits at the throne of the heart. Not me, not Jay, Jesus. This is the reason why we can read this passage here in Philippians 2, 12 to 13. And it gives us hope and keeps and takes away the, the pressure of performance from our, our, from our own selves. I love this passage. 
Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How? Why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his own purpose, for his good pleasure. And you know what? I'm not there yet, Jay. I still struggle sometimes. Patience. This, this spiritual growth and maturity through Christ doesn't happen overnight. He changes us. He is going to allow him to, 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 to uh, let's allow him to change our will to conform to his. Well, Jay, I, I can't do the stuff that I'm, I know I'm supposed to do. The same thing. It is God who works that in us. But the, the hard part is this. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? This is, this is the work. Believe it. Believe it. Demonstrate it through a faith that works through love. That is what we are all about. Now, that is our lesson this morning. Building our lives on the rock of Christ Jesus entails obedience and resilience. But we are not alone in this. It's not up to us. It's a partnership. It's a relationship that we have in God. But I'll leave you with this. When we encounter Jesus, the power that He has, when He lives in us, when God Himself lives in us, it's inevitable. We're going to change. Say for example, and I'll leave you with this, okay? Say for example, I tell you that I'm walking on Portage Avenue, okay? Portage is one of the main roads in Winnipeg, right? As you come into Winnipeg, Portage. I feel like I was born and raised here or something, but I'm, I'm not, okay? Say I'm walking on Portage Avenue and I'm crossing the street because my car is over there. I need to get to my car. But I'm crossing the street, like really, like, you know, I'm just, you know, walking really slowly. And then all of a sudden I hear a sound coming from there. And I look, my lazy look. And then I look, there's this semi-truck that's speeding. And from the looks of it, it's going like 100 kilometers per hour. They're not, they should not do that on Portage Avenue, but there it is, right? And before I know it, this truck hits me. Truck like that hits you, what did you think? Probably think nothing because you'd be dead, right? But not in my story. In my story, I'm annoyed. I'm a little annoyed about it. I realize I'm on the floor. I get up. I look at the truck. It's like, what was that all about? I dust myself off, open my car, close my car, and drive off. Would you guys believe that story? You won't believe that story. You come in contact with a force like that, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you dead in this instance. <laughs> you come in contact with Jesus, man. We say to our relatives, to our friends, to our co-workers, that we are Christians. They're going to see a difference. So this morning, I encourage all of us to build our lives on Jesus, on that firm foundation, on the rock. 
And today, if you want to do that, if you have not done that today, don't wait. Don't think about what people are going to say. Don't, be, don't think about what people are going to think. I'm going to stand over there. I'm going to meet you there. I want you to come during the invitation song. That baptistry is always ready. Why don't you start your 2023 right? Build your house on the rock of Jesus. Starting today. Let's stand and sing.